people are still buying more and more on mobile devices. In fact, they're buying more and more. That rate is growing faster than overall shopping. So their share is coming onto mobile devices. What's been different is that share growth has slowed in the U.S. You asked me earlier, what you know, what did I not expect? That's when I really didn't see coming. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of The Pod. We have a very timely conversation for you. I sat down with Taylor Schreiner, director of Adobe Digital Insights, and I did so right after Adobe's Cyber Monday findings were released. So... Taylor's a very busy man, a very tired man um, for our conversation, but he was kind enough to take some time to chat with me, dig into some of his key findings, the takeaways for all of you listening right now, and of course, the key trends that he's tracking as we get further into the holiday season. So I'm sure you've seen the data everywhere, but our conversation with Taylor provides a deeper level of insight and analysis. So I hope you enjoy it. Taylor, thanks so much for taking the time. It's great to have you on the show. Happy to be here, Alicia. So let's start with some basics because we have a lot to get into. Let's start with your role at Adobe, especially as it relates to the company's holiday research and predictions, which is our focus for today. Absolutely. So many people will know Adobe from Photoshop or Illustrator or a number of other things, but Adobe Analytics actually powers the back end of thousands and thousands of retailers around the world. And it's that data that we use in aggregate and anonymize to get a real-time look at how e-commerce is moving in the U.S. and around the world. And that's my job is to figure out how that works and to deliver it to folks like you. And you've been very busy. Before we started the recording, you said that you have been going since, uh, what, 2 a.m.? About 2 in the morning, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it never stops, (laughs) especially during the holiday season. So like I said, that's really the heart of our conversation today to kind of recap and, and reflect what has happened thus far and most of all, what's to come, what retailers can expect. Before we get into specific numbers, I would love your take on any preliminary predictions or, or maybe even preconceived notions you may have had about like what would likely happen, how Thanksgiving weekend would shake out, either based on existing data and research that you've done, or maybe even your own personal experiences, like how your behaviors have changed. Sure. So I think there are two ways to look at this. If we'd had this conversation in 2019, I would say I predicted none of what's happening this year. Obviously, the pandemic has just completely transformed how people shop, what they do online, how they spend their time, how they want to give gifts, where they're going to be when they give those gifts. So everything is different. But we did see a lot of trends sort of coming into focus as we got to the holiday season. Clearly, one of the big ones was stuff just not being there, things being out of stock. I ran into this when I was trying to buy ballet gear for my six-year-old. And I went through site after site, page after page, just looking for basic ballet slippers, and it took forever. And that was before we got into this season. So we knew that that was going to be big. We knew that prices were going to go up, or we we suspected it. And that seems to have been the case. And that because of that, discounts are not going to be as deep. That's also played out. One thing that we saw coming that was maybe a bit bigger in magnitude than I anticipated was we've seen this trend where Black Friday, Thanksgiving, Cyber Monday, those days are huge. And 
untouchable in their size, but not growing as fast as the rest of the season because consumers are off shopping pretty much every day, getting ready for the holidays. So the fact that they were, these days have been slow growing was not unexpected. The fact that we've actually seen some slight backsliding on those days is a bit of a surprise, but I do want to put it in the context that we're still going to see a massive holiday season and a solid 10% growth off of what was a just gangbusters year last year. Yeah. I'm glad you kind of set the stage there, Taylor, because I think the one thing we've always kind of known, but I think this past year has really amplified is it's just how connected all of this is, right? So you're speaking about availability and even pricing issues, how that impacts actual purchase behaviors, where people buy and how frequently, like it's all, there's kind of a domino effect that's been happening that we've been tracking as early as even like late October, right? And I'm glad that you mentioned the expansion or elongation of the holiday season, because that is something that a lot of people have been bringing up in our conversations around holiday expectations and what retailers can prepare for. So that kind of leads to like the big elephant in the room, right? Like whether e-commerce commerce sales reached expectations for Thanksgiving weekend specifically. So can we dig a little bit deeper into that elongation of the season and how that impacted what happened this past weekend? Sure. So we're looking at a forecast of about 10% growth for the whole season. So in that context, we saw about, we went into the beginning of the Thanksgiving weekend in the mid-teens, so ahead of the pace for the season. And then Thanksgiving weekend underperformed our predictions on a daily basis. So Thanksgiving was flat. Black Friday actually shrank a little bit. Cyber Monday will have shrunk a little bit. And that brought us closer to 12, 13% going into the back half of the season as we sort, we sort of see this as, you know, November 1st to Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving to about the 22nd of December. So this back half is, sorry, we're coming out of the Thanksgiving weekend with a lower Thanksgiving weekend, but with a pace that's really solid for what we're aiming at for the end of the year. And we expect consumers to keep shopping as you get closer to Christmas. They're going to change the way they shop. They're going to buy things online and pick them up in store. They're going to send them with expedited shipping. They're going to be more gift cards. But we don't expect the shopping to stop. And we expect that to lead to a really strong season. Yeah, definitely some good points. And, you know, even as I was looking at some of the headlines this morning, a lot of negativity in in the um, titles, like, oh, like it was a bust or, you know, gloom, whatever. But there were so many consumers that were shopping earlier, I feel like, even just anecdotally in my conversations with folks, because they did know there were inventory issues and they did know that there could be possible delivery issues. So I feel like it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy in in some cases. Absolutely. And we've made consumers, retailers, journalists accustomed to coming back every year and saying Thanksgiving grew 20% or Black Friday grew 20%. It was always bigger and bigger. But it's worth remembering these are made up holidays in a world (laughs) where you can shop all the time. You don't need to queue outside the front of a retail store and you don't need to go into the office to get high-speed internet anymore. All this stuff is accessible. So we're really just seeing these days continue on the basis that they're expected to continue. And because of that, it gives retailers and consumers more flexibility to make offers and to do shopping throughout the season. Yeah. And then I think, you know, a good distinction there is around that 
context of like how people are talking. So you brought up the fact that people don't have to go into the office to get high speed internet. I remember like we're a retail publication on Cyber Monday. A lot of us were checking out Cyber Monday deals and doing some shopping, saying it was research, of course. But um, now we're home all the time. We're connected to our devices all the time, even mobile devices. So that context kind of lends itself to an experience of like, whenever I feel like shopping, I'm going to shop. And and that kind of leads me to my next question for you around device usage, because for years, we have always looked at the comparison of desktop versus smartphone or mobile device. Have there been any shifts in that dialogue or conversation now that over the past two years, a lot of us have been largely at home? Like, has that context changed anything in terms of device usage? It's fascinating. And I don't know what your experience has been, but I've been in front of my laptop a lot more. I felt like I can just put my fingers on the keyboard and and do some of that shopping. But at the same time, we didn't at the beginning of COVID see a real shift away from mobile. Mobile, by the way, just to set the stage here, people are still buying more and more on mobile devices. In fact, they're buying more and more that rate is growing faster than overall shopping. So their share is coming onto mobile devices. What's been different is that share growth has slowed in the US. You asked me earlier, what, you know, what did I not expect? That's when I really didn't see coming because around the world, you've got countries where the share of mobile shopping is 70, 80, 90% some days, and the US is nowhere near that. So we've just seen a little tick down in the rate at which people do their, their mobile shopping. And I think it has to do with People having, as you say, more access to their laptops, more access to other other means of doing shopping. But also, we just came off of years and years of constant innovation in terms of mobile shopping, mobile payment methods, location-based services, all sorts of things that made retailing much, much easier on a phone. And we just haven't quite seen that leap forward in innovation that had been a, had been constant for the past decade. That may come again. That may shift the way that people do their, their phone shopping. But for me, I do a lot of work on the laptops, but when I'm buying for, say, my wife, who I don't want to walk in and see what's on my screen, I take the dog out and I do some shopping on my phone. So that's not going away. Yep. Some really good points there. And I think another big topic that our listeners and readers always want to look for following a holiday weekend is category demand, where consumers are spending, where their priorities are, especially from a gift-giving perspective. So any notable takeaways from Thanksgiving weekend specifically and whether that'll continue on? So two things really stuck out to me when I looked at shopping and the things that resonate with me personally. One is gift cards are just being bought more quickly than than we've ever seen before. And you know, if you're a gift recipient, I just want to encourage you to be forgiving of the people who got gift cards because it's hard. It's hard to get everything for everybody. You're remote. You probably haven't seen people in two years. I know buying for my nieces and nephews, I'm two years behind on what it is they want. So everybody be forgiving about that one. But the other one related to nieces and nephews is toys. We saw discounts on toys come in really strong in early November. And we saw a surge in in purchases there. And while in the end, Black Friday and Cyber Monday discounts were in the range that they'd been before, in fact, not quite as strong as they've been before, there's been a long period of great deals on toys. And we've seen uptick in people buying toys, also buying appliances. People are are still home and, and getting more more items that way. So those were the things that really stuck out to me, though, that that toys were were cheaper earlier and that gift cards are surging, as you might expect in a world where supply chains are are constrained. Very interesting. How does that kind of connect to some of the payment trends that we've been seeing? Because like I know historically, 
we've covered Cyber Monday as like a very big day for electronics and like you said, toys. And I know in some of the recent data from Adobe, there's been a very big surge in buy now, pay later. Like, are those two things connected at all? Meaning like category demand versus payment types being used? Or are you just finding buy now, pay later in general, like consumers are just more likely to do that rather than build up credit? Well, buy now, pay later is an interesting beast. I mean, it is growing very quickly, but it's still a sliver of overall commerce. And it's a sliver that is focused on especially younger consumers, younger than me, which is a growing category of people. (laughs) And the basically you're looking at people who have credit card debt that they're managing. They think of managing that as kind of a lump up and down. And then they have some specific purchases that they need to make. And maybe it doesn't quite fit into the budget, but it would if it was just spread a little more. So in that case, we're looking at electronics. You know, I've got to buy a new computer to get my work done. Uh, Apparel, you need a jacket or something. Seasons change. Or even sometimes groceries, if you're throwing a big party that's going to pop your grocery bill for one week, but you actually want to smooth that out. That's how they're using this system. And we saw this rise to prominence last year. It, it rocketed out there. Uh, a lot of other vendors and providers brought, brought Buy Now, Pay Later into the fold, which just if, if listeners aren't fully aware, you're talking about a system where you, you see that button where you can hit the button and you can just make, a, make four payments with some penalties if you miss payments. It's that kind of thing. And this year, we just didn't see it rocket as hard as it did in previous years. And I think that has to do with the kind of adolescence in that market where it's not getting out yet beyond the folks who initially really wanted it. But that isn't to say it won't. We'll make another another surge forward in the near future. Interesting. Great. The key takeaway is even though Buy Now Pay Later is rising, largely with a very established consumer base, meaning like they know it, they've probably used it before, so they're more likely to use it again. So by comparison, credit is is basically the lion's share of spend. Yeah, credit's going to be the lion's share and looks like it will be for the foreseeable future. But habits change. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, Definitely a trend that we're going to be tracking. The other point you mentioned earlier, a very daunting subject is inventory availability. So many ways to tackle it. But the one data point that I keep going back to and and kept going back to over the holiday weekend is the use of -of out-of-stock messaging online among retailers. Like, very staggering growth, right? I mean, how has that progressed? Will it continue? I mean, give us the breakdown there. Yeah. So this is something that we sort of toyed with in previous years because it was kind of a you know a thing, looking at what consumers saw in terms of how often they saw a page that said something was out of stock. And then COVID hit and man, we were up two, three, four, five times the level that we'd seen in previous years, especially in things like apparel, electronics, sporting goods, with the exception of electronics, where you've got the chip shortages, we were really seeing it in places where you had style, size, and color kind of configuration options where for me, I went to buy running shoes. They had my, I could get my style and my size, but not my color, or I could get my color and my size, but not my style, you know, that kind of thing. So you see a lot of that happening. It's been enormous. I think one of the really interesting things about out of stock is that it hasn't really held back e-commerce too much. And I attribute that to, look, if you if things are not going to be available, I'd rather be shopping online for them where I can click over and see if I can find the same thing or equivalent in a few seconds, as opposed to driving 5, 10, 30 minutes down the road to see if those guys have what I'm looking for. And maybe that's not going to work. So it's really allowed consumers to keep spending online. As to whether it's going to go away, 
man, I was wrong about this last year. So I'm, <laughs> I'm reluctant to make prognostications <laughs> at this point. But last year, I would have told you, wow, we can only, you know, one year of supply chain issues should be enough and everyone should be able to shake this through the system. That doesn't seem to be the case. We really see the consumer end of things. So, you know, our prices going back down, our out of stocks going back down. We don't yet have any signal that that's happening. It's not getting a lot worse. The system didn't break over Cyber Monday and Black Friday, but it's not clearly getting better yet either. Yeah, it's definitely something that we've been keeping a very close eye on. And I can't help but think about the opportunity. So like you said, is there a way for retailers to promote similar products or lead consumers down a different path so they stay with the brand and stay on the site and and you know ultimately make a purchase? But the added layer, or I guess the other possible route they could take is could they tap into store-level inventory and promote things like curbside pickup and in-store pickup, which I know was a, a component of your research, right? I mean, how do you see these two kind of connecting? Do you think more consumers are going to be tapping into those services? I mean, it, it's pr- been a pretty consistent year-over-year trend, so I don't see it going away, but I'd love your take on where you think it's going. Sure. So yeah, I think those things are combining, and we see a lot of advantages to not only larger retailers, but larger retailers who have brick and mortar footprints who can implement curbside pickup. So last year we saw something like a quarter or more of purchases for among retailers who offer this happening as curbside pickup purchases as you get close to Christmas. Then honestly, we took our eye off that ball and we said, you know, we'll go back and look at that data later. Turned out that was a peak, but those peaks came again over the summer, especially as Delta hit and people went back to buy online, pick up curbside. So we're expecting a record this year as you get close to roughly the 22nd of December is when we expect this all to peak. If you're offering curbside pickup, we're seeing something like 40% of stores like that, 40% of offers from stores like that going to curbside pickup. So that's going to be a, a record. It's going to be huge. I think the current pandemic news pushes people even further in that direction. And it's also clearly just part of the way we're going to operate, even if we get to a different phase of the pandemic where people are feeling more comfortable. There's a lot of just utility to being able to shop online, know the products are there, not have to look across the aisles, know it's all in a box, not make a, this isn't great for retailers, but not make an impulse purchase at the end and then go pick it up. So I I think that's definitely not going away and it will continue to be an advantage for retailers who can offer that kind of thing. Yeah. It also makes me wonder if it's more of an opportunity for retailers to be proactive, right? Like there are some big box retailers that when you use the app or go to the site, you can select a store They do say whether it's in stock at your store, which is great. So I'm wondering if more brands and retailers are going to be more proactive, not just about like having that inventory level data on like a product page, but are they going to do more targeted marketing or, you know, outreach around the services that are available to consumers? So it's kind of top of mind. Like, I feel like there are some consumers that already know and like they do it already, but just to expand awareness and expand that adoption a little bit more. Yeah, I think there's a a marketing opportunity here, especially as you get into December, where you say, look, do you want to be sure that you've got the item that you need? Then come pick it up, know that you've got it, it'll be in your hands. There's going to be a lot of anxiety out there among consumers. And curbside pickup is a way to get rid of that anxiety. And I think marketers have an or retailers have an opportunity to market into that need. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Taylor, a lot of fascinating takeaways and fascinating trends to come out of this research. Obviously, our next step is looking forward and figuring out where the rest of the season will take us. So, I mean, any closing thoughts, things that you're looking out for? You know, the one who is one of many, I'm sure, going into this data, combing the trends out and sharing it with the industry. What are you What are you looking out for? So we're really looking at two things, discounts and out of stock. That's going to tell us how the consumer experience is going as you get in, into December. Out of stock, we currently expect it to stay relatively level, given that we didn't break anything going into Black Friday and Cyber Monday. But if we run into more problems, that will be a, a big deal for consumers. Discounts, we expect those to start to go away as you get closer to the end of the season. And that will affect consumer behavior. But it also will tell us a little bit about what kind of inventory retailers really have in stock and how quickly they're trying to move it. They'll indicate that by how much of a discount they're putting on it. So we've got an eye on that. And I think the third thing I've really got a sharp eye on is, is shipping. How much expedited shipping happens? How much curbside pickup happens? How much are consumers spending on shipping? People are asking me now from a consumer perspective, what about the discounts? Should I buy now? Am I worried about discounts? I start to worry pretty rapidly about shipping costs as you get into December, even more than whether things are on sale. So I'm telling consumers, get it now. Don't wait for a discount later because that could get eradicated by a high shipping cost just to get things there on time. Very interesting. Again, goes to show how connected all of these things are. Um, Taylor, thank, thank you again so much for taking the time out. I know it's been a whirlwind of a few days, so hopefully you can get a little sleep until the next thing. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Thank you, Alicia. We're happy to do this. All right. And to all of you, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Um, of course, on the pod and on retailtouchpoints.com, where we providing a lot more updates as far as how the holiday season is progressing. So be sure to keep your eyes and ears open. But for now, Taylor, thanks again so much for joining me. And to all of you, thank you for joining us. And um, if you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe to the pod on your preferred podcast player. And of course, leave us a review. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.